We at Refuge Ministries are so blessed by the success of Refuge Freedom Stories and podcasts. In addition, we focus on youth prison ministry, release kits, and many other diverse outreaches to the needs of our community. As a nonprofit, there are many costs involved, however, and we are asking for your support. Financial gifts can be made via our website at www.refugeministriescanada.com or by calling 519-701-0108. Your giving makes this work possible, and we thank you in advance for your support. God bless you. Welcome to Refuge Freedom Stories. I'm your host, Johnny T. And today my guest is Amard Vital. Amard is a motivational consultant, an international speaker, an author, and a creator of curriculum for nonprofit organizations. He empowers people globally with his inspirational guidance and tips for self-development. He's also a bridge builder of future generations and a strong advocate for young men, assisting them with the inevitable challenges that are sure to come. Amard, welcome to the show. Thank you, Johnny, for having me on. It's a pleasure to have you here. So I noticed during my review of your bio and stuff, there's a big football focus here. So tell me a little bit about that. Was football like the biggest part of your life? Did you grow up playing ball and all that kind of stuff? Or was that something that just dropped into your lap? Football has been part of my life, my entire life. Really sports in general. First sport I played competitively would have been track. My father put me in track around nine, 10 years old. I was competitively running track. As soon as I was able to play football in middle school, I played football, played at the high school. I even played at the collegiate level as well, won a conference championship in 1999. So football has always been a part of me, but it also has been a part of me from a writing standpoint. I've been a, a sports writer and primarily football. I live in the state of Texas. That goes with the kind of goes with the territory. Goes with the territory. Yeah, I mean, we, we, we eat, sleep, and breathe football down here in rightfully. Uh, so I did uh, one of my big claims of fame was being a college football recruiting analyst for a uh, rival scout in Fox Sports Southwest, doing a lot of coverage with high-end football players that live in the state of Texas. There's plenty of top 100 in, uh, in the country uh, football players here. And so I did a lot of work in that sector. And so football is part of that. I always say that I'm a jock who just happened to learn how to write. And it always has worked out that way. And football is a big part of my life. I still do love the sport. I have some connections with it. I still have some sports writing ties. It's one of those professions you don't fully let go of. You may not do it as often. But uh, you stay with it because it, it really is something that just becomes part of your life, even if you don't actively do it. Yeah, absolutely. It does definitely get into your uh, blood and it's hard to shake apart from those things. So the whole aspect of uh, sports in your life, it makes me think about the Apostle Paul when he says, run the race that's set before you, your track and field and your football. So tell me about your race of faith, your journey of faith that, you know, where things started for you. Was that always part of your life in your home or was that something that happened later on in life for you? That's an interesting question, Johnny. And more I reflect on it, I realize that the race I'm running has been a race all over. 
the place religiously. I put my toes in quite a few water. I grew up Baptist, baptized in a Baptist church. My mom got remarried and then I accepted Catholicism. When I went to college, I went back to, went to Baptist and non-denominational, bounced back and forth, but I really wasn't going to church much at all. You're a Christian who has your Bible and it's always with you, but it stays pretty dusty for the mm -hmm. most part on your nightstand. Mm -hmm. uh, when I graduated from college, I came back to Houston and I joined a church that I grew up in only to think I only went there just because it was the family church and I wanted to try to do something new, but it never really stuck. And then I got caught up in the new wave. I, I really got caught up in the whole secret, all sorts of things. Mm -hmm. I ended up doing the Christian science thing. I did the churches that would use the Bible, would focus on Jesus, but would welcome in other religions. There was some Buddhist stuff going on and there was some Hindu things going on there and there was some Islamic things going on. There. So it was just like, we read the Bible, we Jesus is the foundation, but if there's other practices from other religions, we're open to them. And it was very open in many ways, whether it was politically, politically, <laughs> relationally, yeah. I, it just, and I was there for 10 years because at the time I was out of there, I'd already gone through a divorce. I lost my father sometime through there. And I was just on some, I need something to get me out of the pit. And for whatever, at that time, that's what I needed. I wasn't reading the Bible that much, but I was reading it just enough to make it seem like I was still in it. Mm -hmm. The beautiful thing that came from it is I started learning how to work with teenagers in the ministries. I had a man who, who brought me on after I did a Wednesday night service and the assistant youth and family ministry lady was like, hey, do you think you'd mind putting together a three-part series to teach to our teenagers? We'll pay you a little, a little small, little offering. He's like, okay, I can do that. And I ended up putting together a program called I Am More Than Enough, which ended up being one of my books. And I did that for three weeks. And the crazy thing was, is that we started off in the 20s. The next week we were in the 30s. And next thing you know, we're bringing in more table. And so class I was teaching grew and I had parents come up to me saying, oh, thank you for being here. My kid actually wants to come to church because of you. And I'm like, what am I doing? And so <laughs> when I got done with that, the lady was like, hey, do you think you'd like to stick around as a volunteer? And I said, sure, why not? Let's try this out. And then about two or three weeks in, another gentleman who had been doing teen, doing ministry for about 20, 30 years, he showed me how to do this thing because I am as a former journalist who worked with athletes. So I work with young people, but the ministry side of it, I don't know anything. And so he taught me and brought me to a place where I understood things a little bit more. And he and I grew that ministry about, man, we must've grew it about 80 to 100% during our time in three years. But then something happened and maybe your audience knows about it. And it was 2020 where a lot of things happened. And there were a lot of changes that were happening at the church that I knew was off, but I didn't do anything about it because I was like, oh, this will blow over. This place helped save me and things of that nature. But then the gender, I guess we call it gender dysphoria, gender confusion mm -hmm. started creeping into the church. And the ministers there were telling me that I needed to grow in that regard. And when I was listening to some of that stuff, this was before all the conversations we're having now, where they're just full blown out there. Like, this is not really a thing. I'm like, this is not a sick joke, is it? Like, this is really happening. And they were like, Maude, you just need more wisdom there. You need more growth there. You need to open your mind more. This is the way it is. And I remember I was dating a woman at the time and she told me, she said, you're, you have to leave this church. And I was like, no, I was like, that's my teens over there. I built this ministry. I'm not leaving. She's like, you know, you're going to leave this church. And I was like, why? She's because your values are being questioned. And the man I know would never let someone question his value. And lo and behold, within the next six months, I was out of there. And so when you ask if faith was always a part of my journey, 
I would say no, because I don't want to do the depend this, that. No, there was a time when I was just doing my own thing. There was a time when I leaned on my own understanding and tried things my way and was dipping my toes. As, like I said, the Bible's on the shelf, but it's dusty, mm-hmm. not being used. And lo and behold, a couple months later, I found a woman who was in my cycling class. And in the middle of 2020, when all churches were closed, and she said, we're not closed. Our pastor said, he's opening the church. And if you want him to close it, you come, you send people here to close it. And he dared them and they never did. And we had service and I walked in there. I walked in there October 31st, 2020. I know, no, yes, no, September 31st, 2020. I walked into that church and I was just like, whoa, this guy is saying some things that I've been told you can't say out loud. And I've been thinking for a while. And you know what? I, I, I think I'm done. I'm done saying that you do your thing. I do mine. Man has a true side. And I just could no longer just be on the whole, you do whatever you want to do type of thing. And it was like, it was time to, to make some. Yeah, it's so important to understand that the times we live in are going to get darker and darker every day. We know that. The Bible tells us that. And as the days get darker, God wants his people to be brighter because there needs to be that clear delineation between the truth and deception. And the deception is widespread and it's going to continue to get deeper and further and so on. And it's so important that we we stay close to God and we stay strong in the word and let him speak to our hearts and give us that wisdom and understanding that we need. You talked about during that period of time that your father passed away. And I understand that your father passed away on the eve of your first book publishing. And you've said that that was one of the greatest blessings that you could ever have asked for because of what it, it did to you personally. So can you unpack that for us a bit? Yeah, it was out of nowhere. My friend, when who wrote a book, when you publish it, you get your author copies in. And the publishing company I was with at that time sent me 10 hard copies. And I was like, man, this is awesome. You don't get too much of that anymore. And I had a copy ready for him. And it came in like the Saturday before. My birthday was that Tuesday. And I was going to go see him that Saturday. And I had his book ready. My At the time, my fiance and I, we went out to eat, had a nice dinner or whatever. And the next day, I'm just hanging out. And I come back to my phone and there's five voicemails of my mom saying, your dad's dying. Now, mind you, I was part of that religious organization I was with before. The manifesting, the thoughts of things, just mm-hmm. things can happen. And so I was extremely spiritually arrogant at the time because I was just like, okay, you, you never leave no forsake me. So check this out. So mom says my dad's dying. I'm not buying it. Go ahead and do your thing. I'm on my way to the hospital. You take care of that because you're my Lord. Go ahead. Like, wasn't to that degree, but it was pretty close. I was just like, I already prayed about this, so it's done. It mm-hmm. Really, mm-hmm. yeah. You get there, and of course, it's not looking so great. And of course, the inevitable ended up happening, and the famous screaming match I had with God outside. But I, I will say that the thing that I realized more than ever when Still Stuff Small Voice spoke to me outside of the hospital, and I was asking him like, "Why didn't you hear me, Lord? Didn't you hear me? I'm crying, I'm sweating. You got my family in there; they're destroyed." I'm now the man in the family. I'm not ready for this. What are you doing? And he's like, you're going to walk. You said you want your father to walk out of this hospital. He is going to walk out of there as you. So he's giving you the work in. He's giving you the integrity. He's giving you the morals. He's giving you the strength. He's giving you all you need. Now go be who your heavenly father and the father whom I chose for you called you to be. And in that moment, I just knew I was an addict. I just knew I wasn't there. I may have pl- I played up a big game, but it's now that the realness is here. I'm not ready for but I don't have a choice. I'm mm-hmm. ready for this. And so during that time, I went into a downward spiral. But it comes those times, and many of your audience can understand that, where you get to the point where it's just, God, I've seen a little bit of success on my own. I've done this my way. 
things turned out pretty good until they did. Why don't you, why don't you take it from here? Because I'm, I, I don't have, I, I'm limited. I need your strength. I need your wisdom. I need your guidance. I need your light. I need everything. Because without you, I'm literally just trying to hold up a thousand pound boulder and I just don't have the strength. But you do. Lean out on your own understanding. And so I started leaning on God more. I started getting in the word more. And then after that's when three or four years later, the divorce happened. And then I really had to start doing so it's been waged. The father dying was one. The divorce was second. The meltdown was the third. Almost the near bankruptcy came. And then, of course, COVID and all of that stuff. So, like, my faith has just continued to grow. But I will tell you this. The place where I am now, which is a strong Bible-based, we care not about the idea of what's politically correct. We're going with what's biblically true. Mm-hmm. I've grown more in the past three years than I did in the past decade. And I see it. I'm around a fam. I'm around men, righteous. I'm around women who support their husband. I'm around families who stand for biblical values and truth. And I'm with pastors who unapologetically were, are going to preach from the word and from nothing else, not their interpretation. And that probably has been one of the biggest blessings that have ever come to me. But it took losing my father to get this ball rolling in the direction it is now. Because had that not happened, I probably still would have been on that high horse. I got this figured out type of my mindset. Hey, I'm good. I open my Bible and I feel like it. I only pray to eat. That's mm. it. And I would have stayed there. And my father's father, I say my father's dying was the greatest blessing they could have had to me because this man who's on the podcast with you now is not here without Mr. Vital exiting my life at the age of 33 and at a time when I needed to make that course correction then. There's a lot there, a couple of key points that uh, struck me. You talk about the the measures of success and things like that you've had and how a lot of those things were taken away at that point in your life. And God allowed those things to be stripped away for a reason. History always talks about the rise and fall of civilizations, but Christianity is so opposite to that. It's the fall and rise. It's death and resurrection. So through, and your father dying when you were 33, when did Christ die? He died when he was 33. Death and resurrection. So you see that theme all through what you're talking about. And it's important that our audience understands that the enemy is quick to give us success. He's quick to give us things to take our eyes off of God. He's quick to build us up and make us proud and help us feel self-important and self-made and all those kind of things. And yet it's all for a purpose of keeping us from truly letting ourselves die so God can resurrect us in a new life. I couldn't agree with you more. That that death and resurrection. And of course, when you look at it, like there's there's moments because like you said, you come out of something and then I was just sharing this with my teens the other day. It's in a month from now, I want to see a new version of all of you. I want to see a I want to see a more powerful, biblically powerful young male and young female. For that to happen, this version who's in front of me has to go. This, as you see, this, you have to go through the nature process, seed to harvest time, right? Death to resurrection time, caterpillar to butterfly. We have to have that death, right? God is calling us, he said, cre- uh, a new creation, right? That's not a one-off, okay? It, it, it's because of the state of the world we're in right now, this is going to happen multiple times. That's why we live in seasons. Seasons, whether it's the seasons of the actual earth, but there's also seasons within your life. 
And we need to embrace those because sometimes it's like, hey, man, it's seed time, which means you get your head down. You put your coveralls on. This is not the time for the three-piece suit. This is the time to get down dirty and in, in, in the mud and, and really clean and purge the nonsense out. Deny yourself of the fleshly things you want. We just had a, I had them going through a purge party. I said, I want you to go through your phone and clean all those apps up. Those songs that you listen to keep you from sleeping at night, delete all of them and make it almost impossible to bring them back. Those contacts in your phone. I'm not telling you to not talk to people who are on this, but if there's a person who every time they text or call you, that they bring you down, hey, we need to do something else about this. And we need to make sure that we are in an empowering state to where we're in the flow, reading God's word, being around people who pour into us in a, in, a, in a much greater fashion, not the people who are just literally just pulling the life out of you to where every time you go, they want to put a lampshade on your mm-hmm. life. No, I want you to find people who will put more oil into you, right? And, and to build you up. And so that death, you're so right. The death must happen. Like you said, the, the death and then the rise from that. It's not like you say, it's like, oh, the these societies, they rise and then they fall. It's, yeah, we do things a little different around here. And the good Lord makes sure that, that we rightfully know where our place is in this and we know what we are called to do. But like you said, whenever we start to begin to think that maybe this is about us is when typically when things, uh, they say you get humbled. I'm sure there's better words for that, but you, you definitely understand that there needs to be some major course corrections. And I'm pretty sure your listeners probably are just like, yeah, I may have lost count of how many times I've had to, to do that, especially if you're post 40. You, you've had a lot of those moments coming out of high school, college, young adults and things of that nature. I, I, I'm, I'm glad for it. I'm not saying it's always not painful, but I am I'm grateful for where God has taken me from and where he's taken me to, which right now is still, is still under construction right now. Because, like I said, this new church has shown me a, a lot of new ways. I went on my first mission trip last year. It's interesting. I'm very transparent in my in my ways. And I told my teens the other day that last year at the mission trip was the first time I prayed for somebody. The first time I prayed for a stranger in public. I'd never done that before in my life. I never went up to someone whom I have no clue who they are and prayed for them in broad day. I'd never done that. Not proud to say that is, but that's what it is. That's the truth. And I feel like the more I open up and lean in on that, that I'm doing what God is calling me to do on a much grander scale. But he saw fit for me to make it to a mission trip. And he saw fit to absolutely break me spiritually during that time. Man, it's hard to even describe what happened in those four days we were helped planting a church there. I had no answers. I don't even know if I still have any answers for it. I didn't know what was going on with me. I just know that I was just, my shell, whatever shell I had of myself had been broken, decimated. That's the way God works. Some nuts are harder to crack than others, right? And God will put on whatever pressure. It's like when a diamond is made. A diamond is created from pressure, right? Pressure on those natural elements crushes it and creates a diamond. And that's exactly what God does with us. And for whatever reason, some of us are harder to crack and squeeze than others, but God still has his ways. And sometimes... We do things that allow God to do that. And sometimes God just allows things to happen to put that pressure on us because he has a plan and a purpose for every single one of us that he's created, every single one of us. And the onus is on us to lean into him, to find out what it is, how we can participate in it, how we can lay down ourselves to grow 
and start functioning and moving forward. As you said, praying for people in public. There's no reason why in this day and time that we should be quiet about our faith, that we should hide in circumstances and behind something. Or we should be bold. We should be very bold about our faith because as the day approaches, I don't want to stand before God and have him say anything else than, well done, good and faithful servant. That's all I need to hear. I don't care how small a place I get up there. I don't care if I'm on the back corner lot of heaven. I just want to know that I've been a good and faithful servant for whatever he's asked me to do. And I haven't been successful at that myself. There's been times where after something is pressed upon my heart to do and I haven't done it, I know that I missed that opportunity that God found somebody else to fill that opportunity because I just wasn't ready or I didn't have enough faith to step into that or whatever. But I've learned from that. And as we learn from those things, you said earlier, it's about the still small voice of God. And that's so important. That's a place where anybody can start their journey of faith. Quickly, before we go, tell our audience about how they can find out more about what you've authored, what you've written, and uh, where they can find you if they want to reach out and get some of that advice and that counseling that you offer them. Yes, they can find me at amadvital.com. That's the hub for most everything. And amadvital.com is also the same for Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, and even YouTube. Uh, all of those places I can be found. Uh, contact information, email information is all there. Would love to be able to connect with some of you all. There's booking information, there's resources out there for you. All my books are on, I think the last thing my publisher told me, they're on 33 different digital platforms. Whatever bookstore you you think of as your favorite or one you like to purchase from, by all means, please do that. The latest book now, What is is Out and Available Soon. It's available in paperback and ebook. Soon I will be getting in the studio and making the audio book for that. So hopefully you do that. But for those of you who have some young people out there, some young adults, some teenagers who maybe have had a pretty rough season and maybe that season's gone on a little longer than you feel comfortable with, just reach out to me. Definitely want to make myself available to them. Able to sit down and let's, let's, let's put together a little 30 minute little discovery call. I uh, just want to help the young people out as best as possible. Uh, one of my callings is to build a sturdy bridge, not just a bridge, a sturdy bridge to the next generation. Because if we don't invest in the future, we have no future. And as you said earlier, Johnny, that um, things are going to get, things are going to get a little rougher. Money might get a little tighter. Minds might get wrung out a little bit more. People's spirits are going to be led in some many different places. We must band together as a community to be able to get through this. We're not meant to do life alone. We're meant to come together as believers, as saints, and not only go out and try to commission others to draw others to our Father, but also we have to make sure that our own house is in order and giving proper prayer and worship to Him every morning. Anyone who needs assistance or assistance with their young people, by all means, please call, please reach out to me. I'll do what I can to help because that's what I'm called to do. And I definitely want to honor my father in that way. Hey Amen. Let me ask you one final question. Wrap it up really quickly. What's the one thing you would tell someone about God? He never left you through anything. He is all knowing, all powerful, all everything. And it's always available. Hey Amen. 100% agree with that. And the Bible backs up everywhere to that. Thanks so much. I'm out for being on the show. It's been an absolute pleasure talking with you. And uh, I encourage anybody who's listening today to check out the resources that Armand has for you. God bless you and all you do. Thank you, Johnny. And bless you and your, your ministry. All right. How I
I hope that you have enjoyed the last half hour as much as I did. Thank you again to Refuge Ministries Canada for hosting the show. 
So until next Friday, may God richly bless you with peace, love, and happiness. We at Refuge Ministries are so blessed by the success of Refuge Freedom Stories and podcasts. In addition, we focus on youth prison ministry, release kits, and many other diverse outreaches to the needs of our community. As a nonprofit, there are many costs involved, however, and we are asking for your support. Financial gifts can be made via our website at www.refugeministriescanada.com or by calling 519-701-0108. Your giving makes this work possible, and we thank you in advance for your support. That's 519-701-0108. God bless you.